Like, what's so wrong with being drunk? Well, just ask a glass of water, I guess. Hi, America. Hello, world. Did you get that, Heather? Yeah? Yes, you I got that it. Just being drunk like a glass. Okay. My name is Adrian <laughs> Lee, and I am your host. You was looking very perplexed, that was all. Welcome to the show, More Questions Than Answers, the only paranormal quiz show anywhere in the world. Each week, my guests and I will search the world's newspapers, websites and TV shows just for you to bring you the very best in paranormal talk radio entertainment and enlightenment. We will then test each other's knowledge of this week's events of the mysterious, strange, supernatural, unusual, bizarre and just plain weird. If you have just tuned in especially to hear the show, then I admire your taste. If you have just tuned in by accident, then I admire your luck. I'm huddled under my quilt with a large flashlight and a nice cup of tea with tonight's guests, somewhere in the barren wildernesses of the Midwest Plains, with the sound of Nathan snoring distantly from the room next door. I have to tell you before we go any further that I actually recorded uh, an audiobook this week. So my book, Mysterious Minnesota, is being turned into an audiobook. So we came into the studio and I'm reading through the chapters and Nathan... One of our friends was joining us, and halfway through me reading through my chapter, I heard these really strange noises in my headphones. So I stopped halfway through the recording, and I looked at Nathan, and he was sat in his chair snoring. So if anyone wants a good (laughs) bedtime read, then obviously my book is just the ticket. So snuggle under your covers, turn out your light, and hold on tight. The rules are very simple. Points will be awarded randomly for being interesting and for making me laugh or shiver in horror. Extra points will be available for shock and awe value. To help me control my rowdy panel of recidivists and retrobates, I will employ what I have called the inappropriate bell. An example of this would be... The panel have no idea what's coming. I have no idea what stories they have for tonight's show. And we are completely live and unedited. What could possibly go wrong? So without any further ado, let us embrace the darkness. Let me start by introducing tonight's guest panel. Firstly, the mysterious and evanescent Heather Morris. She has been a paranormal investigator for many years with her own team called Hellhound Paranormal and does all of her best work in the shadows. She is now the audio and EVP expert with the International Paranormal Society and brings her knowledge and research skills to tonight's show. Heather has spent all week wondering why it is called going to get your dog fixed when quite clearly after the event it doesn't work work welcome to the show heather how are you fabulous we also have with us the analytical and skeptical mind of kim gore kim is also a talented and valued member of the international paranormal society kim looked at her bottled water this week and wondered why it had a use by date 
when it has spent thousands of years trickling through the mountains. Welcome to the show, Kim. Hello. <laughs> Finally, on tonight's show, I wish to introduce the calm and unflappable Greg Gore. He is married to Kim, and we shall see if this is still the case after tonight's show. Greg is a paranormal investigator and tech expert. He owns and operates more cameras and leads than the BBC outside broadcast department. He is also a producer and sound mixer. Greg has pondered this week why it is called taking a dump when he thinks it should be called leaving a dump. <laughs> yes, something has gone seriously wrong with your romantic evening out at the restaurant if you are taking a dump home with you. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Greg. Hello. Show 32, can you believe that? 32, of course, is a very important number. It is the freezing point of water at sea level. So all of us in the Midwest have experienced this phenomenon over the last few days because, of course, everything is now incredibly cold. 32 is also the number of completed piano sonatas by Beethoven. So, of course, you all knew that and was willing to jump in of that, of course. It is also the number of teeth on the average human being, 32. Now, the issue I have with this, of course, is it's very rare that you have more than 32 teeth. I mean, I have witnessed this phenomenon. I have seen, you know, women that have got, you know, hundreds of teeth and everything's there, but this is the average number. You've experienced women with hundreds of teeth. I have, unfortunately, yes. Okay. Yes, not somewhere I want to go. It reminded me of the Sarlacc pit in Return of the Jedi in many respects. But this is the interesting thing about statistics. Did you know, statistically, people have less than two legs? Because everyone has two legs, and some people will have less than two legs. They might have one leg, they may have no legs. There's very few people, and I've not been made aware of them, that have three or four legs. <laughs> Do you see where I'm going? Because I did some research on this. 1.7 million people in America have lost a limb, okay? That's one in 200 people. You're looking at me as if I'm mad. A limbless, okay? So what I'm saying to you is that there's less statistically of people with two legs, do you see where I'm going? And this is what you do with your time. Absolutely. It doesn't end there. Well, <laughs> if we carry on this theory, I mean, it started out by talking about 32 teeth. And, of okay. course, there's people with less than 32 teeth, but not necessarily people with more. If you have your wisdom teeth out, you're four down already before you've even started. You're on 28. And that's without accidents and kind of, you know, self-abuse and so forth. Of You know, you could punch yourself in the face or walk into a door or something like that. The interesting thing is that if you statistically have less than two legs, it also, I did research on this, it is also possible that you have less than one testicle because many people have no testicles or just one, okay? Not many people are triorchid. They haven't got three. Statistic statistically, <laughs> that's easy for you to say. Mine and my teeth just fell out. Statistically, the average is less than two for testicles. So we now go on. Yeah, having, having considered that, I was wondering what half a vagina looked like. <laughs> is that... Because, is that, you know, two halves make a hole. <laughs> no, you can't press the Where's bell. Where's the cricket sound? So if yeah, you have no half kidding. a vagina, is that this a is ver terrible. or a vagina? Do you see what I'm saying? No? This is, no, because 32... 32 is also the average number of pages in a comic, you'll be pleased to know. It is the atomic number of germanium. Who knew? I thought that was a Mediterranean plant, so we're learning things as we go along. 
One of the things I want to do tonight, we don't do this very often, but I'm just going to give a shout out to regular listeners of the show. I just want to say hello to Joe Jones Paternoster. I want to say hi to Kathy and Charlotte and Teresa. And there's many, many countries that tune in and listen to our show. It's quite a list. This isn't the definitive list. There are many other countries, but I just want to give a shout out to France, Turkey, Italy, Brazil, Germany, Vietnam, Slovakia, Cambodia, Britain and the US of A. So these are countries currently listening to our show. So welcome one and all to the show that is more questions than answers. Now, one of the things we did last weekend that I wanted to just touch upon before we go running and sprinting into our first rounds, which is Ghosts and Hauntings, is that the team, the International Paranormal Society, of which we're all members, were investigating with guests, of course, at the weekend. And we was in the Chase on the Lake Resort up in Walker, north of Bemidji, in the kind of middle to north of Minnesota. It was very cold and winter has arrived. Winter arrived that very weekend. And of course, I was completely underprepared. But we took lots of guests around the hotel. It was very well attended. All the rooms sold out. We had over 75 people follow our lectures and do our ghost hunting with us over that weekend. So what I wanted to do was just very quickly go around the table. And I was just going to ask you what your highlight of the weekend was in terms of ghost hunting or experiences. The great thing about the Chase on the Lake Resort is it's a five-star spa resort. So you can get massages and you can have aromatherapy. I've... I have not done many paranormal investigations in my career where at the end of the evening, after a long evening of K2 meters and DVRs and ghost boxes, you can then go and sit in the hot tub. So this is a bonus, of course. And the older I get, the more I ache after staying out late at night and crawling around in dark, miserable, damp basements, of course. So Heather, what was your highlight? What is the one thing that sticks in your mind from investigating at the Chase on the Lake Resort, one of the most haunted hotels in the whole of the Midwest, built in 1922? What was your what was your standout event for that particular weekend? Well, I had the pleasure of doing two lectures um, for a big group of people, one on equipment and another one on EVPs, which is my favorite. I thought the first two hours was the best two hours of that lecture. Oh, stop. <laughs> the second two to three hours tended to drag a little bit for me, but You're I've heard it before, terrible. of course. So. Um, and I think the most standout portion is we had a lot of activity, but I took a group into the mechanical room. Is that right? That yeah, there's called? a room in the basement of the hotel where basically the infrastructure of the hotel is running. They've got all the fuse boxes down there, all the heating systems Everything's down there in terms of uh, the, the bowels of the building, if you like. Everything is controlled from there. So I take this group of people down there to have an experience, and it's the last vigil of the weekend. And as we're doing that, um, I've never had this before, but we've actually had four people get physically ill to the point where they had to leave the room. In the process of doing that, four recorders turned themselves completely off on their own accord and then to top it all off i got jabbed in the back yes. by something we have a photograph of yeah. a scratch that's uh, appeared on your back and you said it was very sharp almost yeah. like a pin digging into you and we have a scratch mark running down your back and uh, we could perhaps post those photographs at some point on our facebook site yes and the fabulous part about it is uh, uh darren one of the people that was there was actually recording as I was getting a photo taken of the mark on my back. 
and there was an EVP that came across that says you're making a big mistake. Yes, that is very creepy. Can I just highlight the fact that the reason the four people were sick and went out the room wasn't anything to do with the food or anything you were saying. <laughs> right. It was it was through paranormal experiences yeah, that they felt yeah. sick with the atmosphere and the heaviness right. that was in the air, rather than the food that was served in the bar, because the food is fabulous, and I just want to emphasize that. That is true. Kim, what stood out for you in your weekend? Uh, a couple of things. One of them, I'll, I'll continue on with what Heather said about the recorders going off. Um, several different groups, both days, at different various times. Everybody was having problems with their recorders turning on and off on their own. And uh, one of the guests uh, had gone for supper, left the recorder in the bedroom her, her and her boyfriend had. And when they came back, the recorder was on, so they decided to listen to it. That's right. And there was all kinds of scuffling noises and things like that going on. Uh, the room had already been cleaned earlier in the day. This is supper time. And uh, there were scuffling noises, and then uh, the words come back. Yes, there was some really so. good... One of the things the Chase on the Lake Resort does is they provide all their guests when they sign up for that weekend to have a free DVR, a digital voice recorder. So everyone's wandering around the hotel, you know, with their recording devices. But what a fabulous piece of evidence that if you're doing a group investigation and say there's six, seven, eight of you in that room, to all pick up the same EVP all at the same time is, is fabulous because that would suggest that it wasn't just on one person's. It was, it was heard as a whole, if you like, with all the recorders in the room. So I always find that very fascinating of course and it's amazing that you can come to the weekend having never investigated the paranormal before and then leave with all this evidence which is uh, more evidence than most paranormal investigators would get after six months of investigating so if people are interested they can go to chase on the lake resort or chase on the lake.com and have a look i'm sure they've got lots of links up there and we will be doing another one next year it was our fifth anniversary would you believe this year so i don't know where all the time goes to be honest Greg, what stood out for you in that weekend? Well, I was going to mention the recordings, too. Um, that, that was such a weird weird thing happening. The one that was recorded in the bedroom, a whole bunch of us listened to it, and then she tried to play it back again, and it disappeared off her recorder. So she doesn't have it. It erased it without her having erased it, yes. And I did a couple of vigils as well where DVRs turn themselves on. Um, and turn themselves off without any stimulation or outside forces. So there was a lot messing around with our electrical equipment over that weekend. I think the thing that stands out for me the most is I was investigating in the bowling alley area. And you wouldn't think a bowling alley in a hotel would be that active. But it is, in fact, the most haunted part of the entire building. And in previous years, we have photographs of entities walking along the bottom of the bowling alley using a thermal imaging camera and the like. You can see the blue humanoid shapes walking around but I got a fabulous EVP where someone shouted out go when I said would you like us to stay and it said go and at the very time it said go and we recorded this you then saw the K2 EMF meter suddenly spike high up into the red so there was a lot of energy exactly the same time and then also at that very moment there was actually a loud noise coming from the back of the bowling alley like something had fallen down or dropped so to have those three things happen all at the same time was very impressive and then finally, there was an investigation we did in the conference room, and that is its home kitchen attached to it, so where they can do catering for weddings and the like. And I was sat um, with my team doing a vigil in the uh, conference room, and we actually heard what sounded like a, a woman sighing 
from the kitchen area when the whole place was locked down and there was definitely no one back there to the point where I asked everyone in my team if their stomach had actually made a noise and it was a very stereotypical kind of ghost noise really I'm going to do a terrible job at impersonating this but it kind of went and everyone heard it and that was very very odd so to physically hear that take place was very very strange and a little bit creepy so if anyone's interested next year we haven't got the dates in place yet but if you befriend the chase on the lake resort in walker minnesota very haunted fabulous 1922 art deco hotel it'll be fabulous to see you there next year and you can experience all of these things for yourself i just want to tell Teresa, thank you for the fabulous cheesecake yes we got given a cake for our <laughs> for our fifth birthday party heather also asked for some stripper midgets but they failed to appear but yeah, you never know. know next year maybe <laughs> the year Heather, what have you got for me in the first round? We're going to jump straight into ghosts and hauntings. What have you got for me this week? Macabre iPhone app predicts when you'll die. Well, everyone wants to know that, don't they? They do. I do know that if you type in on various websites, if you smoke, if you drink, how much exercise you're going to do. The disappointing thing is, is when you type all that in, it then says you're going to die at the age of 42. And you're sat there thinking, I'm 44. So, you know, I'm already in credit is where I am. Borrowed time. Yeah, well, I'm two years ahead of the game, so I'm happy. It makes me happy. (laughs) The Deadline app uses... Deadline. Yes, that's what it's called, the Deadline. Uh, It uses algorithms used by insurers together with the Apple iPhone health tracking capabilities to predict when you'll draw your last breath. Your death rattle. Yes. After completing a short quiz about your lifestyle, the app taps into the data which newer iPhones now record, such as the number of steps taken each day and flights of stairs climbed. What if you typed it all in and it was like a week on Thursday? Would you just have to cram everything in? You'd be in Disneyland one minute, you'll be in Chicago the next, then you'll be in New York. Better make your bucket list. I know, before the end of the week's out, you'll be sniffing cocaine off of a hooker's bottom and and then you'll find out the app's wrong. That was last week, wasn't it? It's been a long week, this is true, (laughs) yes. It then presents the user with a countdown clock showing how long it will be until their demise. The countdown clock also appears on the phone's lock screen, meaning that every time a user checks their phone, they are given a reminder of their mortality. That's the last thing you want, isn't it? If you've got your phone on and you're looking at it and you see the clock ticking down as the grains of sand of your life. Yes, go run ahead, answer your phone and your see fingers <laughs> right in front of your very eyes. All the things you've not achieved, you've not done, the things you've wasted yeah. just dripping through your hands. Like would you of... find it defeating or would you find it inspiring or to inspire you to do more? Well, that's what the app suggests. It says, while the app seems like a gimmick, increasing the amount of exercise carried out each day can actually extend the amount of life the app shows as remaining. So you spend three weeks doing solid exercise and you gain three minutes. That is where happen. kind of well, so, we'll I would find this depressing because I squeeze the pips out of life as much as I can at the moment. If I can only see that I've got a limited amount of time left, it would stress me out because I'd try and squeeze more out and it wouldn't encourage me to exercise, perhaps. I'd just be disappointed that you've realised you only Don't get a small... Don't buy the app then. I was not planning to. There's other... Aren't you curious? No, I'm not. No, I, I would rather not know. <laughs> One of the things people ask psychics like myself is, you know, when am I going to die? Well, only God knows this information. We are told in various places, including Exodus, that we are not meant to know these things. No one knows. 
Your spirit guides don't know. Angels iPhone don't knows. know. I find no. I find. I find. I find that I find works really well. Yes. <laughs> iPhone knows. Apparently, iPhone is yeah. working on a higher level than God. Apparently, so. So, if you're interested, get the deadline and pray at the altar of the iPhone. That's right. That's a fabulous story. That contains uh, very interesting facts. It was uh, very informative. So, I shall give you a resounding two. To start the Always game. A Always a, a number two for you. Deuce. It's a common conception that ghosts show up in photographs. Still, it's unusual to capture the same apparition three times from multiple angles, hundreds of metres away and in broad daylight. Spooked couple Michael and Wendy Holmes believe they caught a ghostly figure in a number of shots taken while on a day trip to a historic mountaintop castle and monastery, while on holiday in Cyprus. The homes were visiting the Mediterranean Isle for a family wedding, but it was only once they got home to England and looked at the images on the screen that they noticed something was amiss. A mystery white shape appears in three different photographs, all taken from separate angles, standing on a viewing platform near the 11th century castle, far above the couple. It's an area from where traitors were said to be thrown to their deaths. Michael, 62, said he saw nothing unusual while they were there, and insists he has not tampered with the images. He said, when I got home to England, I looked first at the photos, and I thought it was light reflecting on one of the pictures. But then I saw the same figure on three different shots, all from different angles. I've never believed in ghosts before, but my wife believes in the paranormal, and even she is bemused about what it could be. I now believe that it is a ghost. It's just bizarre you can see arms and legs, and it's definitely standing there when we took the picture. They do say that the camera picks up what the eye never can. He added the castle used to be ruled by Prince John and any traitors would be thrown to their deaths from that part of the mountain. If it's a ghost, then I reckon it is him. That's a very interesting story. Did anyone see the photographs of that at all this week? It's very interesting. You see three photographs and obviously they're tourist shots. So you get the couple you know, standing in the foreground, you know, with their Hawaiian shirt and the camera around the neck and the, the socks pulled up. And because they're British, of course, they've knotted a handkerchief and put it on their head because we're very pallid and white and the sun, you know, can come to us. In the background, they're in Cyprus, which is a, an island in the Mediterranean. And in the background, there's a mountain and a bit of a castle. And from the castle, there's like a, a pediment that sticks out over the rocks. And uh, you can see a white shape standing on the rocks and in the other two photographs they've taken other angles and other pictures of them standing there with this monument in the background and when you blow it up it genuinely looks like a white humanoid figure just standing there almost very angelic now when you go to the halloween shop do you remember that there's costumes you can wear that you step into them and zip them up and it covers you from head to foot in red or blue so you're just standing there from head to foot covered in blue does, do you, mm-hmm. You're looking at me as if yeah. I'm mad. Do you yeah. know, you know at these things. Well, it looks like someone's worn one of those suits, but in white. So they've stepped into a suit, covered themselves in white, zipped it up round the back, and are just standing there. And it's very, very odd. It obviously hasn't been tampered with because this gentleman goes on to say that he's still got the uh, file on his camera, you know, where it hasn't been tampered with, and it's still on his uh, stick, if you like, his memory stick. And he claims not to know anything to do with uh, any altering software like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Photoshop. Photoshop, that's where we are. So uh, if people want to see those, they can go onto our Facebook site. You can go to more questions and answers with Adrian Lee. And you can go on there. And all of tonight's stories are listed for you 
and you can look at the strange photographs of the white ghost from the castle in Cyprus and that's all there for you to see and you can also go to our Twitter account if you go to Adrian underscore Lee underscore tips we currently have 19 and a half thousand followers from all over the world accessing that site and seeing where we're going to be and what lectures we're doing and when our shows are on so you are welcome to join us on there kim what have you got for me tonight in the round of ghosts and hauntings woman burned alive in paraguay after witchcraft accusation so what happened to this poor lady um an indigenous woman was burned alive in paraguay after being accused of witchcraft Prosecutor Fanny Aguilera said that the members of the and I don't know how Fanny to pronounce Unicle? this. Just wondering. Yes, it's Fanny. Well, well, I'm glad that's been brought up so early in the show. <laughs> I do not know how to pronounce this. It's, it's F A N N Y M B Y A M B Garani ethnic group. Mbayo or Mbua. Tied the 45-year-old Adolfino Ocampus to a wooden pole and shot arrows at her before they burned her alive. Wow, like St. Bartholomew. There's famous Renaissance paintings of St. Bartholomew. San Sebastian, sorry my mistake. San Sebastian was tied, wasn't he, to a post and they had arrows and crossbow bolts fired at him. If you see any Renaissance paintings. I remember paintings, the story, but I, w- I would not have known that. Piero Francesca, I think, may have painted one of those. But yes, that sounds very uh, canonistic in terms of killing somebody. It's very odd. Uh, Aguilera charged nine men in the village with first-degree m- murder, and they have already acknowledged killing the woman. A report by the UN estimates that thousands of people worldwide are accused of being witches every year. The UN says they are often abused, cast out of their families and communities, and only sometimes killed. It is interesting. We have read a lot of stories over the last couple of years of witches, especially in Central and Western Africa. That seems to be very prevalent over there. But that's the first one I can recall coming from Paraguay or South America. So that must be very... It wasn't an an indigenous tribe, so perhaps not a tribe that has much contact with uh, Western Europeans, if you like. But I wonder if they'll get into trouble for that. He did say that people had been arrested. Or did he say they just admitted it? They admitted to it. Uh, The trial hasn't occurred yet, though. Wow. We shall keep an eye open for that and see what happens next. But unfortunately, that's an all too common occurrence around the world, especially in third world countries. I've got a story here that says Villisca axe murder house stabbing. Ghost hunter stabs himself outside haunted house. The Villisca Axe Murder House was the scene of a stabbing on Friday morning when a Wisconsin man stabbed himself outside of the home, which many believe is haunted. Robert Lawson Jr. of Rylander was at the home on a paranormal investigation of sorts when things went wrong. You rarely stab yourself and say that things went right, do you, is where we are. He said he stabbed himself and things went wrong. Well, well, when was there a good stabbing? I don't recall that one. A police investigation is currently underway and the man's motive is unknown at this time. Emergency crews were called and the man was found in critical condition when he was transported to Creighton Medical Centre in Omaha by helicopter. However, he is still alive. That sounds really disappointing, doesn't it? Let me read that again, but be, be eulogising the first part and sad in the second. It says, he was transported to Creighton Medical Centre in Omaha by helicopter. However, he is still alive. Police will be speaking with Mr Lawson once he is well enough to talk about what happened. The Velisca Axe Murder House stabbing wasn't the first strange occurrence at the address. There was another strange event at the home over a hundred years ago. That event left several people dead and their deaths remain a mystery to this day. The home is a popular place for ghost hunters to visit, 
and many say there is a lot of paranormal activity there. According to the Velisca Axe Murder House website, people can rent the house for one night for $428. The price is for one to six guests. Many paranormal experts who have stayed in the house have evidence of paranormal activity, which makes the home a sought-after bucket list trip for those who are interested in that sort of thing. While tours have gone on seven nights a week at the home for many years, this is the first time that someone actually harmed themselves during their visit. Some people really get freaked out by being inside the homes where people have died. And there is a relatively new website where people can check if anyone has ever died in their home, or any home, as long as they have an address that can be provided. Did you know that? You've investigated, Heather, haven't you? The Velisca Axe Murder House? Is this no, somewhere? No, wanted to, but no, You wanted never. to. This was on your bucket list as well, wasn't it? It's on my it? bucket list. Of places to investigate. Would you live in a house where you looked up on that website and you found out that multiple people had died in your house? Would you live in a house knowing... I have to say straight off the bat that if your house has any age to it, then over a period of time, just statistically, if your house was built at the turn of the last century, then there's a good possibility a large number of people have actually died in that property. So, I mean, would that turn you off of, of a property if you found out that people had actually died there and you had a list of them? It would depend upon whether it was murder or natural causes. So if there was a murder, that wouldn't be something you'd be looking to that would give me the willies yes it would give you the greg that's going to give her the willies i just thought i'd share that with you. <laughs> have you ever had the willies greg <laughs> not since band camp okay <laughs> heather would you live in a house that, that you knew people had died in probably have done i know i'm sure pe i'm sure everyone who's listening to this show unless their house was built recently there would be incidents of people dying and probably more than you could possibly think there was a lady um, called Annie Wilder, who lives in uh, Minneapolis, I just believe, just south of, I think, in a place called Hastings. And uh, she did some research. Because her house was very haunted when she moved in, she kept a journal of all the incidents that took place. And she then did some historical research. And her house was built at the uh, end of the last century, in the end of the 1800s. And she found out that a lot of people had died there. But it wasn't unusual, it's just that lots of people die and over a period of 100 years, 150 years, you're going to end up statistically with a large number of people that have died in your house. The house my parents live in. I know for a fact that several people have died in there. The old couple that lived in there before us, for example. So have you, has anyone ever died in this house, Kim? Is that is nothing? Not in this house that I'm aware of. But out in the yard, there's a few bodies buried, isn't there? Yes. Yeah. I think they probably were they probably did die in the house. The house it, has been turned and moved and okay. then added on to twice. So. so that's possible, of course. I was just wondering, one of the things I did as research when I lived in Salk Centre was I discovered that there was burial mounds, ancient burial mounds just north of the river. So if you're listening in Salk Centre or near Stearns County, be aware that there was five huge burial mounds just north of the Salk River that was left behind by an ancient culture, probably the Mississippian or Hopperwell culture, long before the Native Americans um, were in there, so to speak, or were categorised. And some of those mounds were 400 feet long and 20 feet tall. And I discovered this in a book that was printed in 1901 that mapped every burial mound in the whole of Minnesota. Now, of course, there's only a few burial mounds left because a lot of them got removed, a lot of them got bulldozed. Uh, the ones by Mounds Park 
on the bluffs there. This started out with 80, 90 mounds. And due to the extension of the railroad, due to building and conurbations, I think there's maybe nine or ten left after that period of time. So if you're living north of the river at the moment, in Sork Centre, by the golf course, um, your house is currently on Native American burial grounds. So don't go digging too much in the garden. But the golf course is there. And the second hole for the golf course is a large mound where the green is. And I don't think anyone's realised yet that that mound is a burial mound and it's actually being used as a feature on the golf course. So again, it would be interesting you know, to discover if your house was built on Native American burial mounds, probably wouldn't be the way to go. Isn't that very similar to the uh, stories of, what's the film that we're talking Amityville. Amityville. But I was thinking also, what was the one where they're digging a swimming pool in the garden? Poltergeist. Poltergeist, that's the one. But I was wondering what the realtor would say if someone, if there was a murder in your house, I was imagining what the realtor would say when they say, here's the lounge, it's very spacious, and uh, most of the stains have come off of the carpet, and we've painted the walls in magnolia. Do they have to disclose it? I don't think they do. Yeah, that being said, uh, we looked at a property that was a church, and the realtor would not disclose that it also had a graveyard on the property this is true there was a was a church and uh they'd pulled up all of the uh funerary all the iron railings and everything that was attached to the church but you could see where the coffins had sunk into the ground because obviously a coffin is a foot and a half deep and over a period of time the wood rots and the the weight of the soil pushes that down and then you get a sunken piece of ground you know in the shape of a coffin or, or, or a rectangle on that particular land but i thought there was a law in place in some states that said you know if a house has to be disclosed if it's haunted for example so just having a haunting in a house has to be disclosed by some realtors in some states i believe but can you imagine giving the guided tour and saying this is the master bathroom and uh most of the stains have come out of the bathtub but we are looking to redecorate and have a new bath at some point just seems very odd but uh, apparently that is what's taking place at the moment that brings us to an end of that round of ghosts and hauntings where greg is on two i am on two heather's on two and kim is on two as well so just like a row of ducks all swimming very nicely along the river but of course there are many points to be won and lost over the course of the show we go sprinting into the round that is ufos and cryptozoology it's green men and hairy beasties so heather where are you taking us in the world on tonight's round of UFOs. And is there cryptozoology or UFOs in this, or is it a random story like I'm going to week? Tennessee. You're going to Tennessee, not too far away in the greater scheme of things. Gnome Bigfoot was filmed there. No, Gnome Bigfoot? Yeah. So it's got a pointy hat on and it's carrying a fishing rod? Probably. Are you sure this isn't a redneck just going out hunting or just going out fishing? A very short one. A very short redneck, <laughs> very hairy, with a fishing rod and a pointy That's hat. That's right. Before we go any further, if people go onto YouTube, there's an amazing piece of footage and it's called Argentinian Scary Gnome or something like that. If you type in Argentina or Argentinian and Gnome, you'll see this piece of footage where there's a group of kids late at night who are standing around with their bikes and suddenly this gnome comes running out of the undergrowth that may only be two and a half feet tall with the red pointy hat on making barking noises and these kids just run. I mean, you see their shoes left behind in the street and it's a very creepy piece of film so if you are by a computer and you wish to type that in it's youtube and i think it's called creepy argentinian gnome or argentinian gnome but you shall find it and it's a very odd and very strange piece of footage so now he's growing hair and he's wandering around tennessee and he has big feet so i wonder if it's it's a hobbit this I is where we are thinking 
Uh, a researcher in northern Tennessee released footage late Sunday of what he says could be an infant Bigfoot or a little person. Why is it a gnome? Is it got? It because it's tiny. It's so the sole reason really it's been tiny. okay. It's a small. He's got no gnome to go to. Okay. So the North American Bigfoot Search or NABS team member Scott Carpenter says the subject was under the focal range of two other cameras. The video, reportedly taken by a black-and-white trail camera in 2009, consists of a few seconds of footage where a small, unidentified creature that appears to be eating suddenly lifts its head to look in the direction of the camera, and the primate-like animal resembles a capuchin monkey. A capuchin. A capuchin? Capuchin. A capuchin monkey. A capuchin monkey. That's a cup of coffee, isn't it? A capuchin. I'll have a capuchin espresso. With uh, extra chocolate. And... That's terrible. No? Fair enough. <laughs> Given the ears are on the side of the head. That's the f- where they normally are. The face is humanoid in shape and configuration. Unless rabbits and raccoons have primate-like noses and ears on the side of their heads, uh, he said, I have ruled out a rodent, rabbit, and a raccoon. Has he ruled out the fact that a brother and a sister may have got together and uh, that could be the result of Tennessee. their offspring? I hear it is what Tennessee. you're saying, yes. Lots of banjo music. <laughs> Is this an infant Bigfoot? Yeah, infant. Is this an infant Bigfoot or one of the infamous little people? The thing that gets me about this is the head seems hairy. The body is seemingly hairless. If it was a baby Bigfoot, wouldn't it be moving around a lot more? It seems to me that whatever this thing is, it realized it had been seen. It's a monkey with alopecia. <laughs> My American Indian dad would have said that it was one of those hidden things that we're not meant to see. Pakwaji. Stay safe. These little guys can get nasty. Wow. And it's running as a Republican politician in the next year's elections, apparently. So uh, who knew? <laughs> Is there any so video footage? Know. I like the way that story comes from 2009. What happened to this week's news of the weird and strange? It was just presented <laughs> oh, right. to the so little he's baby been, he's, Bigfoot. He's been sitting on week. that for six I'm years. There you right go. You, well, I'm sure you regret throwing it on the floor. It says okay. the it, ten, uh, a researcher in northern Tennessee released footage late oh, Sunday So why from 2009. <laughs> I can't help it that they just did it. That seems very odd, isn't it, that you'd sit on that for five years? Well, it was years. on somebody's trail camera. Well, you leave so. your camera out there for five years before checking on it. I don't know. Very... Do you leave your camera out there, Greg? Oh, no. <laughs> there you go. Well, it was very informative. It was very interesting. Well, and again, we fit. should have parity again. So you are now on another two. So that's four altogether. Two and two is, of course, Yay. four. I'm going to touch upon aliens. It says scaredy cats, Brits, likely to believe in ghosts, aliens, and God. Does it make us scaredy cats in Britain if we believe in ghosts and aliens? Surely it makes us more progressive and uh, less concerned, perhaps. But it goes on to say, a new study has revealed that British adults are more likely to believe in aliens and ghosts than God. Can you imagine that? You're more likely to believe that life could be circling around one of the 12 billion suns we see in the night sky every single night over resurrections, the parting of seas, the turning of water into wine and stars into serpents and an immaculate contraption. I mean, who knew? Surely, statistically, one would now suggest that aliens have to almost 100% exist somewhere in the world. They found over a thousand exoplanets, haven't they, they think could harbour life now in what they call the Goldilocks zone, which is the perfect zone between a star and a travelling planet to produce life. So it would be remarkable with 12 billion 
stars out there, which are all suns, having big rocks circling around them, that there's not a one single rock out there that wouldn't have life on it as well. Seems almost remarkable. But it says in a poll, which was organised by Ripley's Believe It or Not London team, it was found that 51% of adults in the UK think aliens exist. God apparently got 25% of the vote. The study conducted on 1,500 adults and 500 kids also revealed that one in five Brits claims to have encountered some supernatural activity with 55% saying that ghosts existed. So let's just go through that again. Adults in Britain, 51% of them believe alien exists. 25% of them believe that God exists. When they did a poll of children, children, 64% of all kids in Britain think that aliens exist. And it says that 33% of kids believe God exists. So that basically suggests that kids will actually believe anything if you tell them. So that includes the Tooth Fairy and the Easter Bunny, of course. And uh, the fact that life is fair and if you get married, get a job, have kids, get a home and a car, you will one day be happy. Natasha Crump, general manager for the show, said that although we live in an age of science, the results prove that many still hold a belief in things that might exist outside of our world. How can she claim we're an age of science when science does not actually conclusively prove that ghosts and aliens exist? That's why it's called paranormal. It's outside normality and it's outside what science can prove to exist. So that's very contradictory and very weird. But apparently more Brits believe in aliens than the existence of God. Kim, what have you got for me tonight in the round of UFOs and cryptozoology? Three Bigfoot sightings in 24 hours in Deadwood Ghost Town. The little mining town of Deadwood, Ohio has been abandoned since the 1940s. But that doesn't stop Bigfoot from stopping by to check our visitors. According to a November 6 report on Cryptomundo, three separate sightings of Bigfoot were reported within 24 hours. The sightings occurred when a logging company used the ghost town as a base camp for their helicopter logging operation during the summer of 1996. These always stir up activity, don't they? Whether you're renovating a house or you're logging, something always stirs these things up, doesn't it? It's a catalyst yep. for stuff to happen. Uh, the first indication that something unusual might lurk on the grounds was a heap of pine boughs and leaves in the basement of one of the abandoned buildings. According to the loggers, it looked like the boughs and leaves had been used as a bed for some large animal. The area reportedly contained a heavy stench. It was not long before loggers began to get the uncomfortable feeling of being watched. It must have smelled really bad if a group of loggers who have been out in the wilderness for some time recognize a really bad stench. Do you hear what I'm saying? Yes. You, you see where we're going with this, yeah? <laughs> uh, the Rocky Mountain Sasquatch Organization, RMSO, researched the stories and believes that the, all three sightings were of the same Bigfoot. The creature was witnessed by five individuals. It's very oh. interesting. Well, when there's less cover as well, when the leaves are falling off the trees, you've got less coverage, haven't you? You've got less area to hiding, I would think. Do you not, do you mm -hmm. not see that, you know, if the leaves fell off the trees because of autumn and fall... You know, you see better in the woods, don't you, in the forest in the winter than you would do in the height of the summer just because the foliage has all died back. So you would think you would get more sightings, unless they hibernate, of course, like bears. Can you imagine you stumble across a cave and you go wandering in and there's like 25 Bigfoots looking at you? It'd be quite <laughs> distressing, wouldn't it, in many and ways? And one of them, a baby Bigfoot. Yeah, holding a fishing rod with a large pointy with hat on. With big feet. With big feet. I wonder why a Bigfoot would have big feet. Who knew such things? Like a wide mouth frog. 
very bizarre. I have a UFO sighting. I'm sticking with my theme of aliens and UFOs. It says, airline passenger films UFO flying over Iran. Passengers on board a commercial airliner have caught an astonishing piece of footage of a dish-shaped UFO flying underneath their plane. The aircraft was flying over Iranian airspace at the time, and as yet there's been no word from any government or organisation claiming it to be theirs. While the object itself is small in the video, what's clear is that it definitely doesn't have wings in the conventional sense. Instead, the object appears to be completely rounding shape, echoing the classic designs of a stereotypical UFO seen from the past. Is it an alien craft or simply an experimental aircraft? Either are just as likely, yet both are just as exciting. The reason I thought this was a very interesting story is I don't know if you're aware but there was an amazing UFO sighting back in 1976 over Iran. It was uh, called the Tehran dogfight. And uh, during 1976, they saw a UFO zigzagging, going from one place to another in the sky. And they actually scrambled two fighter jets to intercept it. And when they got within range of it, they saw this UFO. And one of the fighter jets tried to fire one of its laser-guided missiles at it. And all the electrics in his plane completely stopped working. And he nearly crashed because obviously these things fly via computer and via electrical circuitry. And everything suddenly seized up so he couldn't fire his uh, missile at this particular object. And uh, had to go back to the base. And apparently the first plane sort of trailed it for as long as possible. And it's a very famous story. So if people are interested in reading about that, um, it's so famous it's on Wikipedia. If you type in Tehran zigzag or dogfight or UFO sighting in Tehran... Or 1976, that's one of the first major sort of interceptions of a UFO by by fighter plane. So it's a very interesting story. What year was that? 1976, that And you're place. yelling at me about current news. This happened this week. If people wish to see the photograph, <laughs> I've read my story. I'm onto bigger and better things. I'm a historian. I read the story Whatever. and then I put it into context. Mm-hmm. Just see, minus points for Heather there. Minus one, you're on three. See how that works? But if people wish to see that UFO over Iran this week, this week, from a person taking film in an airline plane, then they're welcome to go and see that, of course, on Facebook, where all the stories tonight are listed. And it's more questions than answers with Adrian Lee. Be sure to stay tuned as we explore further this week's news of the paranormal and strange after these short messages from our sponsors. The Lakes Area Paranormal Interest Group meets bi-monthly to discuss all things paranormal. The group's primary focus is on the topic of UFOs, but they also delve into alien abductions, cryptozoology, Bigfoot gnomes, crop circles and ghosts. Come with an open mind and be prepared to discover the who, what, when, why and how of these phenomena. Meetings are from 7 to 9pm Central Time in the Banquet Room of the American Legion Club in Wake Park, Minnesota. For more information, visit their website, lapig.org. And I will actually be giving a lecture there on the 10th of December. So if you go to their website, lapig.org, you shall see me there. I'm giving a talk on ghosts and UFOs. Are they the same? The Minnesota chapter of the Mutual UFO Network, MUFON, meets the second Saturday of every month at the New Brighton Community Centre, New Brighton, Minnesota. Meetings are from 2 to 5 p.m. Central and include investigation reports, open mic, book reviews, videos and guest speakers. Anyone with an interest in UFOs is welcome to attend. For anyone who has experienced a UFO sighting or knows someone who has, 
this is the place to be. Meeting agendas, driving directions and tons of UFO information can be found at mnmufon.org. I would love to hear from you if you would like your business or product advertised live or more questions and answers. Reaching the nation and beyond with informative, well-educated listeners of good taste and a love of the paranormal and all things oddly intriguing. You are listening to the only dedicated paranormal news quiz show on the planet, which makes you very lucky individuals indeed. In the lyrics and the words of the reggae legend that is Johnny Nash, there are indeed more questions than answers. And the more I find out, the less I know, which means I'm probably less intelligent than when the show started. I'm your host, Adrian Lee, famous for being banned in Lithuania, for introducing the world to dirty hobo water, and sometimes the annoying inability to say, abominable snowman live on air. I'm getting better at that, aren't I? Mm -hmm. Starting to nail it now. After years and years of uh, physiotherapy. We'll find a new word for you. You Sorry, what? We'll find a new word for you. We'll find a new word I can't say. I'm sure there must be many. Welcome back for the second part of tonight's show. If you've just joined us, then where have you been? And what could have been more important? If you've stayed with me, then let me raise your spirits further by saying that we still have 50% of the show still left to go. And in my opinion, the best 50% of the show. So onwards we march into the round of the bizarre and strange. It is the round where there's stories that don't fit into any other category, but are too good to pass over. So Heather, what have you got for me tonight? In the round of the bizarre and strange. Cannibal tries to eat woman in British murder case. Oh, that woman's repeating on me. Yeah, British police confronted a man trying to eat the eyeball and face of a woman and used a stun gun on the cannibal who later died. Oh, he died? Yeah, they used a stun gun on him and he died. What, was he standing in a bucket of water or something? I have no clue. It doesn't say... The woman was pronounced dead at the scene and the murder investigation has been opened. Police say they are called to an incident at a hostel in the village of Argo in South Wales on Thursday after reports of a man attacking a woman. Hang on a second. Isn't it interesting? We, we just had a vote not more than a couple of months ago on whether Scotland stays within the British you know, monarchy, whether it becomes independent or stays part of Britain, because Britain obviously is made up of Ireland and Scotland and Wales and England, all as one big, you know, conglomeration, if you like. Why is it when anything fabulous happens, like when Andy Murray wins the US Open or wins the tennis, he's Scottish, okay? When someone eats somebody, they then become British. Do you hear what I'm saying? Yeah, they're from London. Well, it does say (laughs) they're not not quite from London. They're from Wales, which is 170-odd miles from London. But ultimately, when it, any, they do anything that's fabulous, you know, if they win the Olympics, if they do this, if they do that, they come from Wales, they come from Scotland. Belgium. Well, that's not part of the British Isles, is it, to be fair? And no. When have you ever seen anyone from Belgium win anything? And see, in fact, tell me the name of one Belgian person who's famous. Any Belgium at all. Pick a Belgium. Yet is I. Yes, he's a, he's a footballer that plays for Belgium. He's 18 and plays for men. Name a second Belgium. Any Belgium. <laughs> Seriously, name, name me another Belgian. Anyone around this table, I will give you now three points if you name another Belgian. Anyone at all. Waffles. No, that's not a person. <laughs> Wasn't there a famous artist? 
there's been many, but you're barking up a tree there. That's correct. Yes. <laughs> I've been to one of his galleries. He has an exhibition of his that's work. That's a name I should be able to come up with, and I'm not. It's, oh, it's on the end. Three points going begging. I thought someone was going to jump in and say Poirot, at which point I was going to say he's not real, but no one fell into that trap. And if you remember, there's <laughs> you a... You were setting a trap I was setting a trap. The other person who's from Belgium that's very famous is a cartoon character called Tintin. They made a film about him, but he oh, was originally... Terrible. He's not real either. That's what I was going to go on to say. But there is a Tintin museum in Brussels that I've actually visited, which is very, very interesting. But I think what Kim was trying to get to was Magritte, the famous surrealist artist that was Were a rival. Were you trying to get to Magritte? Kim? I wouldn't have been able to come up with See? the name, but I knew that there was a famous artist from Belgium. That's, you should have just jumped in at that point, Kim, and said, yes, that was the guy, the famous <laughs> surreal artist from, from Belgium. That was the one I was trying to get. You're absolutely right, Adrian. You nailed it. But uh, people may know him. He did a very famous series of paintings back in the 1920s. He was uh, Salvador Dali's rival, if you like. But you may remember there's a guy wearing, I think, what you call in this country a derby, a hat, like a Laurel and Hardy hat. And he's got an apple in front of his face. You see a man in a suit with a derby on his head. Yes, and then there's yes. an apple for a face was one of his most famous pieces of artworks. But, uh, yes, a surrealist artist, surrealist artist called Magritte. I can't even remember why we're discussing this when you're talking about a Welsh cannibal standing in a bucket of water. <laughs> Do continue. He ate her eyeball. Uh, yeah, police say they were called to an incident at a hostel in the village of Argo in South Wales on Thursday after reports of a man attacking a woman. Police shot the man with a taser gun. He became unresponsive and died despite the attempts by the paramedics to save him. Did, he, did the eyeball plop out of his mouth after he was electrocuted or before? Oh, did he shoot out like some sort too of soon, like a gobstopper? Do you know you can put like a quarter in a machine and it rolls around in the laundrette, you know, and is it just me? No, oh, like an eyeball? Too soon. No? Too soon. She just died. She's st- the, the eyeball is still warm, is what you're telling That's me, isn't right. it? That's right, yeah. Um, this animal was eating this girl to death, the South Wales Evening Post quoted. The attack drew comparisons with Hannibal Lecter, a fictional murderer who how much, ate his victims. How much do you have to eat before you eat someone to death? I mean, where do you have to get to in terms of the eating process before you reach something that's vital? I think... They just have to keep eating until you die, and then that's the point. Well, I'm saying, if there's a serial killer that attacks people with cheese graters, are they working them? Are they working away for like 25 minutes or a couple of hours with a cheese grater back and forth? How long forth? did they work with the cheese grater on your feet? Oh, yeah. I see where we're going with this. Kim's <laughs> Kim's referring to the fact that for the first time in my life ever, and if there's men listening out there, I would advise against this. But Kim is referencing the fact that several weeks ago I volunteered rather ridiculously, for a pedicure. Purely on the back of the fact that I write a blog, and if people wish to read about my experiences, if they go to intparanormal.net, that's I-N-T, paranormal.net, I have a blog, and uh, I'm I'm a sponge, I'm a cultural sponge, and I want to experience everything in my life, and I want to write about it. So I volunteered, rather ridiculously, to get a pedicure. Now, you know, granted I'm a writer, so during the course of the day I'm tapping away on a laptop... I'm not doing much in the way of manual labour. So I didn't think my feet were in that bad a state, to be honest. So I sit there. I've got my feet in a bucket of water. This little oriental lady comes along, who's like five foot zero, and she suddenly grabs my feet and she starts laughing at me. She starts going, ah, I do your feet, I do your feet. So anyway, she goes out to the kitchen. I'm thinking she's going to make a cup of tea. I'm thinking, that's rude. I'm sat here with my feet in a bucket of water. I'm expecting her to come back with a cup of tea. 
or at least offer me something. She came back with a potato peeler. I swear to God, the woman had a potato peeler in her hands, right? She starts peeling my feet. And this is really painful. It got to the point I'm crying. And I told her at that point, I was just going to give her my name, rank and number. Because, you know, I'm done with all that. She's pulling out my toenails. She's laughing at me and going, ha, 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 I make you cry. She's pulling out my toenails with pliers. I think I'm, pictures can be supplied. I've not they? seen such things <laughs> since the medieval period, okay? And I start saying, that's really painful. And she's laughing at me. And I said, I, I, don't, I wasn't responsible personally for Hiroshima. It had nothing to do with me. I can only apologise. It had nothing <laughs> so, to do with so me. So what colour did you get them painted? Well, she did give me an option. She, uh, do you want to share that option with, with everybody? She said, you want black? You want white? You want hot pink? I went with hot pink, obviously. I don't, you know, <laughs> I'm a man of colour. She went and got a cheese grater. The woman's got my feet between her, like a ferrier doing a horse. And she is... Could have fed a family of six. Well, then he... off oh, your feet. Well, it was, it was... <laughs> Let me just say I'm six foot two. And when I left the premises, I was actually six foot and a half. So if that gives you an idea. It was the worst experience of my life. I couldn't walk for three days. She wanted to schedule you an appointment two weeks later. I don't know. You what... come back. No, you're not. I'm not coming back. I can sit at home and pull my own toenails out, and it doesn't cost me fifty dollars. I can run my feet over a power saw and a power sander and cause my own distresses. I don't need that. Carry on. Anyway, there was plenty to write about, is what I'm suggesting. Yeah. Cannibal. Wow's glass of water. Eye popping out. Yeah. Well, I had it. And then you oh, you've thrown it, it away. I thought well, you finished. No, no, have no. you? There's well, more to come. Much. Um, he went Hannibal Lecter on the woman. He actually gouged her eyeball out, ate them, and then ate half of her face. Yes, I do believe that he was working an eyeball around his mouth. Yeah, um, like a grape it was. Grapes are quite soft. I'm with the impression that the eyeballs are quite hard. Well, come here. Oh, that hurts. What did you do that? That's terrible. You poked me in the eye. What's wrong with you? That's minus one point. You're that back down to two for eye-poking incidents. I'm glad you didn't do anything physical when I discussed the story about most men having less than one testicle earlier. You're lucky you're, lucky you're still getting points. That you... felt like a grape too. Oh. What's wrong with you? Honest to God. No high fives, no. You've lost minus one as well. I feel like I'm a school teacher. I'm not seeing you two together next week. I swear, you know, I'm going to have your parents in. I'm going to inform them that you misbehave. You're not doing your work. You're bringing everyone else down in the classroom. It's terrible. I'm going to have you in front of the principal before the night. So you're on three. Let's move you back down. Greg, you're you're stumbling into fourth place as we speak. (laughs) Just by having sounds available. So where are we then? One of my testicles feels like a grape. Is that where we're going? (laughs) Well, we did go there, yes. (laughs) Because most men, of course, have less... Than two. Wouldn't it be amazing? When you lose a testicle, okay, do they not have to put in a prosthetic? You then call them uno. It's mono orchid, you're absolutely right. But do you not have some sort of weight that you have to put on the other side to kind of address the balance? Do you hear what I'm saying? Because they are... The, your feng that shui. reminds me of a story. No, well, I'm worried about what's coming next. And bearing in mind you're only on two points. But if your feng shui is messed up, okay, if, you're, if you've just got one... Surely that then takes precedence and you've just got like, it's hanging like one. Do you hear what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because your feng shui, your, your harmony, your, your symmetry has been messed up. So there must be prosthetic testicles. Do you see what I'm saying? They must have a lead weight that they can put <laughs> in there just to keep the equilibrium. But wouldn't that then stop you going through airport security? Because you could walk through the gate and go beep, 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 beep. And that would leave them other avenues to explore because you'd have to have a certificate <laughs> with you. I know a guy that had that done and his wife died of lead poisoning after three years. God's honest truth. Terrible. Points all around. 
The story I had was actually um, dog owners that have their dogs fixed. We had we started bubbles. with it's not fixed. Nothing after it's happened, it's all broken. <laughs> We've had this conversation. We, the it started bubble, the show. The baubles are removed. The baubles. Yes. The gentleman's baubles. Yes, on the dog. Yes. And so a lot of dog owners are not happy with that scenario. They want their dogs to be manly dogs. So they actually do have prosthetics for dogs that you could put in if you want them to have a healthy set of baubles. So basically you get a plastic bag, a couple of scotch eggs and a staple gun. Okay, that's <laughs> just me then. I do know that my dad had very gappy underwear and briefs back in the 1970s. Have we heard the... about you okay. <laughs> It's very distressing. He bent under the Christmas tree to open the presents. It looked and I like th- pickled eggs. Yeah, it's been traumatic. I thought, I, I thought I'd been bought some bagpipes for Christmas. I was really upset. Turn, <laughs> turns out it was an Atari PlayStation. Who knew such things? But this is what happens. Yes, this all from a cannibal. Next. <laughs> okay, moving swiftly on. You've managed to tell a fabulous story and lose two points, which is fantastic. It says... Finding the happy medium, soccer club changes name due to ghostly activity. We don't want to pick sides, so we'll stay super neutral in this debate. Backup and Rosendale Borough FC have been forced to change their name after being subject of a haunted ghoul, apparently. It says the name change of a local Lancashire club has been scrapped, not because of supporter pressure, but because evil spirits apparently don't approve. Backup and Rosendale Borough FC of the North West Counties League have been forced to change their names back to the original Backup Borough FC after a string of haunting freak accidents and incidents. Club manager Brent Peters claims the players and staff are convinced the presence of a goal is the reason for their on-field problems, hampering his players' ability to score a goal. He's hampering someone using scotch eggs out of interest and cold cuts of ham and the like. I'm being hampered. <laughs> The other week, one of the players went through on goal, but he was, as, he was, as he was about to shoot, he felt a weight holding back his kicking foot. This could explain the season that the Vikings are currently having, of course. In 1999, backup brought in specialist Sue Angel to bless and cleanse their home ground, something that seemed to have worked until the recent name change angered the spirits. Club PA, Deborah Connor said, the investigators asked the spirit about the name change to which the twin-pronged machine indicated that there were spirits not too happy. I'm guessing that's an EMF meter. Then all of a sudden, the machine flew off the physio's bed and smashed on the floor. The name change should hopefully do the trick for backup FC. I love the idea of taking a photograph of a ghost football team, because we've had this discussion before. You could all line up your ghosts that are playing on that team, you could line up all 11 players, take the photograph, and all you'll see when the film is developed is a football halfway, about waist height off the ground and nothing else, just floating there. Because one of the ghosts had the football tucked under his arm. The only way you could take a team photograph would be with an IR camera or a full-spectrum camera. Wouldn't it be a fabulous idea if a time machine was ever invented? I really like the idea that you could go back in time, cherry-pick the best soccer players from the last 150 years, bring them all together... And have a World Cup where you have the Brazil team of 1970. You have the German t- uh, team of 1958. Bring them all together in one tournament. And this would make a really good film because one of the footballers, you know, brought from 1938 suddenly falls in love, you know, with a journalist from this period and doesn't want to go back. And this would make a fabulous film. 
Just me. Okay, I think that's an awesome <laughs> feel. Kim, what have you got for me tonight in the round of The Strange and the Bizarre? Groom leaves bride after her wedding joke. Oh. For better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health. But you'd better stay good looking. Wow, you've read those out a few times, haven't you? (laughs) (laughs) That's the lesson a young bride in China seemingly learned after a very public spat with her groom. She showed up for a wedding photo shoot in her white dress, as most brides do. But with the help of some stage makeup, she looked 50 years older. Wow, she looked like (laughs) her mother. They do say that if you date a girl, she ends up looking like her mother. So at some point, Kim, you're going to have to lose at least a foot and a half, is what I'm saying there. (laughs) She's not a tall lady, is your mother? Do you know what I'm saying? No. I think Heather looks exactly like her mother, actually. When I first saw her mother, I thought, you know, you look... Greg, do you look like your mother? I don't think so. I think you've got a beard. (laughs) (laughs) She's Scandinavian. It's okay. Uh, Honestly, we can see how having your 26-year-old bride showing up with fake wrinkles and gray hair reminding you that you are going to spend your lives deteriorating together may not be the most romantic of gestures. Can you imagine the honeymoon? <laughs> I mean, seriously, it's like having old age creeping over you. It'd be terrible, wouldn't it? I think it's hilarious. I don't know why he didn't laugh with her. But well, he... on, your, on your big day when the veil goes, when the woman walks up the aisle, you know, and she stands there and she takes her veil back for the first time and she looks like she's 60. That, that wouldn't be the way to go. Would it, Greg? How would you feel about that? I wouldn't like that at all. No, that would. What be, about you? Well, I'm no. I, I I think you want to look your best, don't you? You've got wedding photographs, and uh, you know you want to the brushing bride, uh, bride. Blushing bride. You don't want the blushing bride to be sat there, you know, having incontinence and having her teeth removed, you know, during during the uh, the meal, falling asleep during the. Well, I would have assumed that it would be a joke, but that she would take it all off for the actual photo shoot. Wow, that didn't turn out so funny then, I'm guessing. <laughs> Not a... I think it's hilarious. Really? Jeez, that's a terrible, terrible story. What if you've got another story for me there? I do. You? you need the points. You are currently on two points. I'm on seven. Kim's on five. Greg is on four. So desperately needed to claw some points back here, Heather. Chainsaw stolen in Florida thieves' pants. Oh, there you go. Logging again. Police say a Florida man stole a chainsaw by sticking it down his pants. Surveillance video from Treasure Coast Lawn Equipment in Port St. Lucie shows the man putting the tool worth more than $600 down his pants on October 28th. Police tell Scripps Treasure Coast newspapers that Anthony Ballard had come in asking for a dollar's worth of change. Was he wearing clown trousers? Was it like a clown's pocket? That's a big old pair of trousers <laughs> and where did he place it you know is he hanging it to the left or the right or <laughs> yeah how do you make that decision why was he how was he trying you're to asking me it? like i've put a chainsaw down my trousers <laughs> well, the good lord indicates that when things are you know you have common sense you know when things aren't going well i'm just imagining he's got clown's trousers do you know when you pull out like a big car horn and then you pull out you know, a bucket of confetti and he's got clown's trousers did he have big feet as well Large trunk. He had a large trunk, did he? Yeah. Was it an elephant? <laughs> uh, police say employees chased Ballard, who ditched the tool in a wooded lot. The employees called 911 when they saw Ballard return to look for it. Ballard told police he stole the tool, but had a change of heart and wanted to return it. So he got it. arrested yes. for returning to the crime scene yes. to collect the chainsaw he threw away Yes. when he was running out of the store with a chainsaw down his trousers. Correct. I just wanted to make sure I got that all right. 
He was held Thursday on grand theft and burglary charges. Bond was set at $28,750, and jail records didn't show whether he had an attorney, which we should refer over Nathan. There you go. Wow. And that is strange and that is bizarre. So you are back up to a resplendent four. There is a word of warning out there to anyone listening not to attempt improvisational comedy. I've got one more story (laughs) in the round of the strange and the bizarre. It's on a similar theme to you, actually. I think this gentleman may have been juggling chainsaws at some point. Police say man with no hands and no legs is armed and on the run. It's a true. It's, it's I believe. Bob. I believe that's called an oxymoron. Lucky. Or, or he's not. Lucky. I'm sure he's not called lucky. I, love, I bet he's lost his job at the fireworks factory, though. Oh. Authorities in Florida are searching for an armed quadruple amputee who's reportedly been on the run since Tuesday, hoping to question him about his involvement in a double murder. Well, I bet they're not looking for his fingerprints. Sean Petrozino, 30, lost his legs, hands and parts of his arms to bacterial meningitis years ago. Police say he moved in with his parents last week after separating from his wife amidst some serious financial issues. Both of his parents were both found dead Tuesday morning after Sean's mother, Nancy, failed to show up for her job as a school teacher. Sean was last seen on an ATM surveillance camera Tuesday morning. How on earth? I know you're all looking at me quizzically. How on earth does a man with no arms and no legs operate an ATM? Uh, perhaps we shouldn't wonder how he pressed the buttons, or shouldn't I not ask? Do you Don't think he's ever it. used a dictaphone? <laughs> Although police say he's currently a person of interest and not an official suspect in the double murder, a spokesman did caution that he's armed with a gun. There's more questions than answers. Wait isn't a second, there? how did he shoot the gun? Well, it goes on to say that a prosthetics expert said you don't need a hand to shoot both your parents, just the will. It's very odd, by the way, that they say that they just want him for questioning when he's gone missing and both his parents have died. So, uh, But apparently most guns can apparently be fired by hands. No hands. Handless, it says. Can be fired by the handless without special devices so i'm guessing when the time comes to be arrested he's going to have trouble surrendering and putting his hands up no doubt greg how would you fire a gun with no hands and no feet i don't know we are no further it's never something you've had to try is it no perhaps we should experiment in the yard next summer what could possibly go wrong has anyone got any more stories tonight in the round of the strange and the bizarre if not we shall jump into the last round that is called Not For Your Mother. On my notes, it has NFM, Not For Your Mother. If your mother is in the room, if she is easily offended, if she is someone... (laughs) (laughs) You can keep going. Okay, I just wonder why everyone suddenly started looking at me as if something had happened, (laughs) like there was a chainsaw suddenly poking out of my trousers. I'm reading this in front of me. I'm reading this in front of me. And I'm doing this show and suddenly all the three guests around me suddenly stop. They suddenly get a foot closer to me and they start staring at me. And I can see them in my peripheral vision. There's not anything you want to share with me at this moment in time. No. Excellent. Okay. (laughs) Just checking. If your mother is in the room, if there are any minors, if there are people that are easily offended, they need to be shuffled away. They need to be taken to an ATM machine where they can try and press the buttons without using their hands and feet, without getting arrested they can go and chew on an eyeball somewhere in wales 
So you have been warned. So Heather, what have you got for me tonight? Don't look at my story. I'm not looking at your stories. All right. Bride-to-be becomes pregnant after having sex with dwarf stripper on hen night. And husband only realizes when she gives birth. So she's given birth to a dwarf baby. Yes. I didn't realize that genetically it just passed on like that. But I guess I've seen people with uh, dwarfism, if you like, and uh, they've given birth to perfectly yes. healthy children of a, of, a, of, a, of a right height, I guess, is the terminology. I wonder if it looked like Ramsey. What, Gordon Ramsay? There is a story, isn't there, we read yes, many years. This is yes. your favorite all-time My story. My favorite. Do you want to explain to our listeners your all-time favorite story in the in the course of 10 seconds? He's midget stripper Ramsey, and he got eaten by badgers. That, that's pretty much what the headline said. There was a gentleman that was a midget, and he looked exactly like Gordon Ramsay, and he was making money from appearing in pornography and stripping, looking like Gordon Ramsay. So he was a Gordon Ramsay midget stripper. But he came to a very unhappy ending. Because he got dragged off into the woods by a badger and they found him down a badger hole. And he got eaten. And he did unfortunately get oh, eaten. So as bizarre Ramsey. as it may midget seem, Ramsey. the headline said, Midget Ramsey found dead in badger hole. Yes. You can look that up. It's the God's honest truth. A bride-to-be became pregnant after having sex with a dwarf stripper on her hen night, it has been claimed. The woman had to confess to cheating on her husband with an adult entertainer earlier this year after giving birth to a baby with dwarfism at the hospital in Valencia, Spain. It wasn't hanging around in Tennessee with a fishing rod by any chance, looking at cancer. No, no, no little no, gnomes okay. with big feet. Didn't okay, come out just with big checking. Feet. It is alleged that the woman's husband believed the child was his until it was born. Neither but, the couple nor the hospital have been named. Are you sure? Because there are a lot of Spanish people do in fact look like primates. I mean, it is possible. Dwarfs? No, primates. Oh, what? I mean, just uh, saying... That's negative points for you. I Neg- think. What for what? I don't know. I'm just saying. I have to say, there's a, a very quick story. When I used to work as a teacher, I worked in a language college, and there was lots of different nationalities of teacher there. And there was a Spanish gentleman who was teaching Spanish, and his English, you know, had a very strong accent to it. So I am sat in my office late one evening, winter's evening. So it's gone five o'clock. I'm in my office. I'm marking children's work. The evening has crept up on me, so I'm working in the dark almost with just one light because I didn't realise it was getting dark. He suddenly appears in my doorway. There's no one else in the school. Everyone else has gone home. And I said, hi, Jose David, what would you like? It's unusual to see you over here. And he came up to me in the darkness, just the two of us together, and he said, my willy is flat. And I said, your willy is flat? He said, yes. I said, that's really unfortunate. Would you like some sort of ointment? What would you like me to get you for that? Would you like a pump? He said, yes, I need a pump. So I'm thinking, this is very odd. And I'm now edging along the wall. I'm trying to get away from him. I'm edging down the side of the wall to get out of my office. And he continues to say, no, I need help. My willy is flat. And I, I, need, I need a pump. Anyway, it turns out he was cycling home. And he got a puncture. His willy is flat. He needed a pump to pump up the wheel. And he needed that. I just thought it was very scary. There was a <laughs> minute of my life where I thought I was being accosted by a hairy Spanish gentleman in my office late at What's night. What's this got to do with strippers and midgets? I've absolutely no idea. But the second thing is we used to play soccer and we're standing next to each other in the urinals there of the uh, school and next to the staff room. And I'm trying to make polite conversation as gentlemen do over urinal. And I say to him, are you playing soccer tonight? And he says, uh, no, my um, uncle is ill. And I said, I'm really sorry to hear that. I, I, you know, your auntie must be really struggling then. If, I'm thinking this must be serious. If he's not playing soccer because his uncle is ill, I'm thinking his uncle's only got a short time to go. Do you see what I'm saying? 
So I reply and say, oh, how's your auntie doing? And he looked at me as if I'm mad. And he said, no, my uncle is ill. I can't play soccer. Anyway, it turns out he's, he's hurt his ankle. His ankle is ill. He's broken his ankle, which is why he can't <laughs> play soccer. I spent 25 minutes commiserating with him, asking him how his uncle is and has he got enough money to get back to Spain. So this is where we are. What's that got to do Midget with strippers. strippers? I don't know, but it's a funny story. I don't know how we ended up there. It's an evolution, isn't it? Do continue. Midget strippers in Spain. Um, it says that she had no choice but to confess. I'm guessing his willy wasn't flat. No. No. Um, because as soon as she held the baby in her hands, they noticed that the baby had dwarfism. So she had to confess to her husband what happened. Oh. Um, Perhaps she said that was the time you pulled out and only half got in. <laughs> Adrian. Oh, Greg's Edward. just choked. I didn't mean to do that while you was drinking. I'm sorry. <laughs> He's just covered the soundboard in orange juice. This is what some of the dwarf strippers said. The other half of it had gone down her leg. If she'd have, if it no, okay. <laughs> um, more often than not, it's a joke thing that the women are very shy and don't even want you to touch them. You often go along with a normal stripper who blindfolds the woman and then you take his place and pretend it's him that's still dancing. This is dwarves on being with oh, so they, tall strippers. So they blindfold, so they they blindfold the lady. Yeah. They think they're with an Adonis. Yes. And then the midget comes in and takes their hand. Rubs them all up. Okay. And okay. I'm somewhere now. So you take the blindfold off. Do you remember you this kid? Does it bring back any memories? <laughs> Uh, at most, sometimes you get asked to stay behind and have your picture taken with the bride to be. I'm astonished hang at on, the idea. Hang on a second. I've seen a picture of you with a midget stripper. Oh, look. <laughs> You've gone red. He wasn't a stripper. Anything, what was he doing there? That I, was a midget wrestler. Oh, a midget wrestler. Yes. All I saw was a small midget covered in muscles and oiled up, and you sat there smiling from ear to ear. It's an easy mistake to make. You've got such a big collection of midget stripper photographs, I got confused. That's true, that's true. What was his wrestling name? Bad Boy Brian. <laughs> bad Boy Brian. Yes. If you're out there, Bad Boy Brian. Hit me up. No, don't hit me up. The last thing I need tonight... Is a midget strippler from Wisconsin, so uh, you know. I just hope you're having having a nice evening. Yeah, um, I'm astonished at the idea someone's fallen pregnant like this, and the woman has managed to keep it a secret even from her closest friends. So. I'm no expert, but I'm guessing everything's in proportion. So at some point, did she recognise the fact that the big Adonis with all the rippled muscles? Now, correct me out. if I'm wrong. There is. You're wrong. That's minus three. Oh. <laughs> There's dwarfism, and then there's midgets. There's different. So there's there's different, different categories. There's more than that as well. But yes, that's ultimately yeah. where we are. But one is that they're just small but normal. You can't say normal. <laughs> I consider you normal. Well, that that's bad worrying. That's bad boy Brian. <laughs> yes, you're right. There are different categories. What I would say, if you remember the artist Toulouse Lautrec, who was uh, portrayed in a film. Back in the day, a famous Parisian fondly, artist. Fondly, I remember fondly. From the 1880s and 1890s. <laughs> um, his parents were related and he had a riding accident and broke one of his legs. And then sometime later, yeah, I want to say another year later, he broke his other leg. And then what happened due to genetic defects, his legs didn't grow anymore. So he was in a position where he was a fully grown adult. But he had the legs of, of a kind of, you know, nine-year-old, ten-year-old that hadn't grown. But if he hadn't have broken the other leg, then one would have been really short and the other one would have carried on growing. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But apparently, 
He used to hang out in brothels in France, and if anyone sees his artwork and drawings, he's very famous for doing pastel studies of, of prostitutes back in the Moulin Rouge and the, the gay you know, Paris of the 1880s and 1890s. Apparently, everything was in proportion, but apparently he looked a lot bigger than what he should have been because obviously his legs were very short. So when he says it was hanging down by his knees... That could well be true, but he his shaved. knees his knees were only six inches lower than his body. But there we go. Is there anything you'd like to add to the midget stripper contraception wrestling story? Are we good? No. We're good. Okay, you shall have points for being funny, interesting. <laughs> and, and talking f- about dwarves. And for, well, there's nothing on my list to say points for dwarves, but I shall give you two points. You are now on six. I have a story here in Not For Your Mother. It says six months on bow for being sent spoof video of a tiger having sex that was really a man in a tiger suit. A bus driver wrongly accused of owning a film of a woman having sex with a tiger is trying to change the law on extreme pornography after a 14-month campaign to clear his name. I wonder if sex with a tiger is great. (laughs) (laughs) Do you see what I did there? Surely even the most visually redundant person would be able to tell the difference between a tiger and a man in a tiger suit. Where was this at? This is taking place in England. Why <laughs> you, not renowned for its natural foliage and jungle. The only reason I said Go that on, is... Because you remember, wanted to have a dig at me. No, because in China they had a dog that they shaved to look like a lion, remember? So this is a woman they've shaved to look like a tiger. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. thing is, I have to say, I have to jump in very quickly. When I lived in India... The jungle looks amazing, especially after the monsoon and you get the sun shining through the foliage. It's an amazing place. I went there, took lots of black and white photographs of the steam coming out of the jungle and I'd wander around and take these amazing shots. One of the locals said to me, you really don't want to be wandering around the jungle. And I said, why is that? He goes, because tigers live in there. So you don't think of that, do you? You don't think, yeah, we'll go look around the woods. We'll go look around the jungle. You don't think, do you, for one moment? there's going to be a tiger because it's not something in your consciousness is it it's not something you're you're prepared for something you've come across before i'm just imagining seeing a tiger having sex with a woman okay and the other tigers shouting out tony can you stop playing with your food that's disgusting we've got to eat that we've got that's our dinner do you see what i'm saying and after you imagine what he's doing with it that's our dinner you know there's got to be nothing but complaints at that point that's where i am but apparently andrew holland He's 51, suffered a heart attack, received hate mail and was targeted by vigilantes after being charged with possessing two videos that he was sent by friends as a joke. He said he viewed one for just six seconds, but the charges led to him being the subject of widespread ridicule and being mistakenly labelled a pedophile. After more than six months on bail, the charge of possession of an extreme pornographic image was dropped when prosecutors realised that the animal was a man dressed in a tiger suit why would he be classified as a pedophile because people don't understand what the charges were and are very uneducated and just attacked him after reading about it in the paper the thing about this case i'll go on to read the rest of this in a second the thing about this case in england is it suggests that for every person who sent something graphic or pornographic in terms of a joke in terms of something funny on their mobile phone can now be charged with it being in possession of that so if your friend unbeknownst to you, send you a funny video of a woman having sex with a guy dressed in a tiger suit, even though you didn't go and access it, and even though 
it was sent to you and even though you haven't opened it according to this court case you can then be charged with being in possession of extreme pornographic material so i just it just sets a lot of precedence i guess I know Greg's got his phone out at the moment and he's actually deleting quite a lot, if anyone can hear that in the background. <laughs> it says similar charges against Mr Holland were dropped nine months later in relation to a second clip called the Pain Olympics, a spoof video put together using prosthetics, cocktail sausages and ketchup, according to its producers. Aren't all good videos intrinsically made up of prosthetics, cocktail sausages and ketchup? If this is called the Pain Olympics, it just concerns me this is something else Britain can come last in. Mr Holland's legal team has now written to the Director of Public Prosecutions to see a change in the law to prevent harmless but crude jokes from ending in prosecution. If they are unsuccessful, they will go to the High Court to seek a judicial review. Mr Holland was denied contact with his young daughter for more than a year and forced to leave his hometown after a campaign of abuse against him as a result of the charges under the law a person can be prosecuted for possession of a pornographic image labeled extreme if it shows necrophilia bestiality or flagellation so basically flogging a dead horse <laughs> points to be had all around kim what have you got for me tonight in the final round of not for your mother we're gonna go back to the thieves oh with the chainsaw Troopers warn of underwear bandit in Alaskan town. <laughs> You've got to be brave to steal underwear in Alaska. Yes. This is in Kodiak. An underwear bandit is actively stealing women's undergarments in, in Kodiak, Alaska. The state troopers say there's been a rash of burglaries reportedly. A there's rash. been a rash. <laughs> well, that's obviously the wrong underwear then. You need to have 100% cotton, surely. Chafing. Chafing. That polyester gets me every time. People have returned to their homes to find items, mostly women's underwear, missing. Fisherman Hannah Clark tells Kodiak radio station that she began noticing items had been removed around in her home, moved around in her home when she returned from fishing trips. So this isn't on the washing line. They're going through drawers in her house. Yes. And the interesting thing is that there must be a, such a small um, population that if she goes out on fishing expeditions for long periods of time, everyone's going to know she's not in her house, right? Right. Jeez. Well, they're calling him the underwear bandit. The underwear bandit, okay. And Clark jokes that at least the thief has good taste after taking her recent $150 shipment from Victoria's Secret. Do you think her entire wardrobe smells of fish on the back of being a fisherwoman? Oh. No, seriously, I've got a... No, you don't have to ring the bell. I'm, it's, I'm true. I've got a friend called Wayne who works back in Britain at the Billingsgate Fish Market. And you with, smell his underwear. I don't personally, but he smells of fish all the time. <laughs> He works with fish all day long and he scrubs himself, he scrubs his car. Everything that this guy touches and owns smells of fish because he works at a fish market. So all I'm saying is if they lined up her underwear, if you did like a test to see which underwear was hers, you could work your way along using your olfactory no. senses. Do you no. see where we are? No. So no one's been found for this? No. It's still current? Yes, so lock you, your doors or your underwear might go missing. Well, you wouldn't have any problem with that, ladies, would you? <laughs> Do you own a piece of underwear between you? I suspect not. It says here, priest... See, I'm psychic. I am psychic. Priest performs blessing in family home after boy shares bath with a ghost. A lot of ghost stories tonight, isn't it? If a ghost gets in the bath with you, that would mean that they're sort of white sheet or would get wet and they'd have to be pegged out somewhere in alaska no doubt 
Someone's stolen my ghost. I hung it out to dry not more than an hour ago. Come back and it's gone. A family scared out of their own home have become so desperate that they had a blessing carried out. On one occasion, Haley Keating's son, Oscar, screamed in terror because he was sharing a bath with a boy with black hair. That's what he told the police anyway. I shared a bath with my uncle, actually, as a kid, but uh, I later found out that he wasn't my uncle. He was just a friend of my granddad's. She and her boyfriend, Michael Roberts, 19, also claimed to have heard strange noises in the night and their TV turned on and off by itself in the early hours of the morning. They have now called on Father Christopher Cunningham to perform a blessing at their home in Warrington, Cheshire. She said it all started a couple of weeks ago. We were sound asleep in bed and the TV remote was on the floor. All of a sudden we were woken up because it had turned itself on and was on full volume. We'd been watching a bit of TV the night before, but we had it on really quietly. Then an hour later at about 5am, Oscar woke up shrieking in his bedroom. He was really distressed and it was nothing like I'd ever seen before. But I eventually managed to calm him down and he went back to sleep. The next night we were woken up again by strange knocking. It sounded like it was coming from the bedside table, but there was no one there. I actually know what this is. I think it's called being a teenager. I wonder if they have also experienced seeing no one, but finding mysterious piles of dirty cups and plates appearing in the sink and the toilet paper mysteriously disappearing. Well, there we go. All good things come to an end. So let's look at tonight's scores. In last place, the K2 meter with the dead battery is Greg. He is on four points. Kim, you're on five. Heather managed to claw back second place with a resplendent six. And in first place with the $33,000 IR camera is myself with seven. Who knew? Who knew? Do not fear, <laughs> listeners, and I look forward to using that $33,000 IR camera as well. Do not fear, listeners, remember, I am back with a whole new bunch of stories next week at the same time. And I would love for you to join me for a fun and informative journey through the world of the paranormal. Strange, intriguing, bizarre and weird. Please tell your friends and family about the show and feel free to contact me anytime via my Facebook site. More questions than answers with Adrian Lee. Or you can email me at mqta at rocketmail.com. My gratitude and greatest thanks are extended to Lorna Hunter, Heather Morris, Jeton Drainer, Kim and Greg Gore, and all at the International Paranormal Society at intparanormal.net and all of the show's sponsors including the Lakes Area Paranormal Interest Group and MUFON of Minnesota. It just remains for me to say thank you for listening and remember, be interested and interesting. Good night.